Good morning. Wow, was that a group leading singing or what? We have some good vocalists up here and musicians. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for helping us join together and worship the Lord this morning. Let's pray before we look into God's word. Father, we just thank you for our coming together to worship you, to sing, to fellowship, to look into your word to love one another. We pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to the meanings of your word so that we could follow you better, love you more, know more about you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> Have you ever had one of those nights where you went to bed pretty hungry and then ended up having a kind of a weird dream or kind of a crazy dream because of your hunger. And then as you thought about it the next day, you weren't really able to make much sense out of that dream. And so you just kind of thought about it and you just kind of dropped it because it wasn't going to go anywhere. But we're going to see this morning a certain man's crazy dream after falling asleep being hungry. And it's going to throw him for a loop for a while, but then when he finally figures it out, it not only does make sense, but it also changes everything in his outlook, in his life, and in the whole picture. So, <clears throat> we've been going through the book of Acts and have watched the birth of the church of Jesus Christ and we've seen exciting growth added by or aided by miracles. We've seen persecution from the Jewish religious leaders. We've seen Christians thrown in prison and angels letting them out of prison. We saw Stephen stoned to death by the Jewish leaders. We saw the church scatter because of Stephen's death. And it says wherever they went, they spread the gospel. And so we saw that Jesus was working behind the scenes, even in the bad parts. He wasn't making the bad parts, but he was using the bad parts to even spread the gospel. <clears throat> and it says in, in the scriptures that because of the persecution, they scattered and wherever they went, they shared the gospel with whoever, whatever city they became or they, they went into. And then Luke tells us of different individuals taking the gospel to different places and then many turning to the Lord. <clears throat> now we saw also Saul of Tarsus, who would become the Apostle Paul. It says he was breathing murderous threats. And he would go and take people, men and women, and take them to jail, put them in jail. Um, we saw him at one point being blinded by a big light, by a, a strong light from heaven, knocked to the ground, couldn't see for three days. He went and put himself off, you know, uh, by himself so he could pray. And then he came out a follower of Christ. And I want you to listen to what it says. <clears throat> well, well th then what happened, he came back, and he was doing his ministry as he was 
really going after people, telling them about, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ. But then it says in chapter 9 and verse 31, it says, and when, when Paul, the apostle, as he, after he got saved, he was going around and really promoting the gospel so much that everybody wanted to kill him, well, you know, the people against the gospel. And then it says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. That's after they sent Paul home to Tarsus. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So Paul was going around, he was sharing the gospel with everyone. People were getting so angry at him, the ones that didn't believe in it. They were trying to kill him. And so his friends, his new friends, Christian friends, they sent him to Tarsus, which was about over 200 miles away from where they were. And then everything settled down. And everything was peaceful. People were living in the fear of the Lord. That means in great reverence of God. Encouraged by the Holy Spirit that indwelt them. And the church increased in numbers. And you can see that the Lord Jesus Christ, how he organizes things. And he takes the good and the bad and he puts it in certain ways. And people in certain places. And so that the church grows. Sometimes the church is persecuted and that helps the church. Other times he takes the persecution away. And then they grow and there's peace. So we're seeing the gospel being spread wherever the disciples land. And we can see how God uses persecution to even bring about salvation. And we noticed last week how Jesus was in full control of how his church was moving and impacting. Excuse me. And one gigantic move by Jesus was to have Saul the chief persecutor of Christians to become a Christian after he knocked him down by that light. And then now he was going on and he was preaching the word of God. So when you look at a whole thing and everything, how it, 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 it you know, ran out, who's really in charge? Christ was in charge. Even during the bad times, Christ was in charge. He was organizing how things went. Like I said, he's not the author of anything bad, but he uses people's evil motives and actions in order to get results that will help the church even, even in times of suffering. And so God is never not in control. And Jesus is leading his church. So now in chapter 10, we're going to see Peter play a very major role in the movement of the Church of Christ. So look with me, if you will, chapter 10 and the first eight verses. Let's see here. I must be off here. Oh, let's look at chapter 932 here. Okay, we're we're, going to follow Peter first, that's right. We're going to follow Peter as he is landing after persecution. It says, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. 
There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda, Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. So God used that to bring many people to him, that healing of Aeneas. And then it talks about Peter going to Joppa. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. <clears throat> he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. So we have this, this ongoing you know, spread of the gospel, starting with Stephen getting killed, being murdered by the Jewish religious leaders, everybody being scattered, and now different people are reaching different cities, and many people are coming to the Lord. There are miracles being done. There are people being reached, uh, people being healed. So we're seeing the gospel spread wherever the disciples land and seeing persecution even being used by God to spread the gospel. And we noticed last week how Jesus was in full control. And now in chapter 10, that's where I said before, but we're now here, uh, we're going to see how Peter plays a very major role in the movement of the church of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be looking at the first eight verses of chapter 10. Well, here it says he stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. <clears throat> and then chapter 10 it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. 
he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So as you can imagine, guess, Cornelius was not a Jew, he was a Gentile. He wasn't a member of God's chosen people. Yet he was devout and God-fearing. He believed in the true God and he prayed to him consistently. And God tells Cornelius to send men to Joppa to bring Peter back because he wants Peter to tell him something. He wants him to go to Peter's home and we're seeing all through this early parts of Acts where God and Jesus, for the involvement of the Spirit, are making these decisions. These day-by-day decisions, so to speak, so that other people will get the gospel message. Now, we have this new entity, the Church of Jesus Christ. We said that God is very involved in all the events. Of course, Christians are too, because that's the way God works. He uses people. We see a strong involvement by the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And now we move to the next day as the men from Cornelius' household get closer to where Peter is staying. Verses 9 through 23. About noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And this is where we see somebody falling asleep, uh, being hungry. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. So some of the animals on that sheet were uh, things that Jews were not allowed to eat, according to their uh, Jewish diet. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So there's some change going on here. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. You see all the timing, how it's working out. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, Three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. You know, uh, I said that, you know, sometimes when you go to bed hungry, 
you have weird dreams. In his dream, Peter actually falls into a trance. He sees this large sheet being let down from the sky with all kinds of animals in it. Uh, Peter's told, kill and eat. Some of, some of the animals in the sheet are forbidden by Jewish law as unclean. And you know, as an observer of the Jewish law, Peter says, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean or impure. And then God says something that's just going to go throughout the rest of history. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. So all through their lives, they were not supposed to eat certain foods. And now some of those foods are there before Peter in his dream. And God said, eat them. And as he says, no, I, I adhere to the law. God is saying, don't call anything unclean that I have made clean. So there's a big change coming here, and we're going to see it develop. Three times this happens, you know. Peter's very confused. But now the men from, from Cornelius are just arriving. So you see the timing here. The sheet, the dream, Peter's falling asleep during the day. Uh, he sees this. He's trying to figure it out. All of a sudden, the men are there. And the Spirit tells Peter to go with them. <clears throat> so he knows exactly what he should be doing. He goes down and greets them, invites them into the house. Now, it doesn't say yet that Peter has completely figured out his vision. You know, he's still wondering, what's this all about? What does he mean by made clean? But the Holy Spirit has told him to go with the men from Caesarea. And you can see how God is organizing this. He's letting out certain information. And he's telling him what to do. You just have to follow what the Lord says, even though you don't understand everything that's going on. <clears throat> so Peter starts out with them. And then we're going to go on here. It says, the next day Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. So you've got... Not only Peter, but people from Joppa. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So there's going to be a lot of people there. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. <clears throat> wonder what Peter's going to do with this. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. 
So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Well, that's a preacher's dream, isn't it? But <clears throat> let's continue on here. Well, first of all, there is a lot going on here. God is making a big change. He's chosen people. He chose Abraham to start a whole new race of people. And he's going to put them in a whole new land for them. The nations had become corrupt. And he would take them through his people, this people that he had started right from one man, from Abraham. And he would take them through all kinds of circumstances. He would promise them a special land. He would be their God. They would be his people. They would have a special set of laws. They would have a special diet. They would have their own morals different from the nations that they were going to be among. They would have their own priesthood and ways of worship. He promised that they would have a kingdom and they would be his special people and he would dwell with them. Now, Peter has had a vision as he fell into a trance and he is told to eat unclean foods. But his dream said that God had made them clean. Then at that very moment, <clears throat> he has these Gentiles come to his house, to Simon the Tanner's house. God, the Spirit tells him to go with them. Peter goes with them. Cornelius has this whole house full of people waiting for him. Cornelius falls at Peter's feet in reverence because Peter is a man of God and Cornelius is, you know, really respectful of God. But Peter keeps his head and tells him, stand up, I'm a man just like you. Now I was thinking, you know, when that guy fell at Peter's feet, Peter could have thought, this is pretty nice. I like these military commanders falling at my feet. But really, this whole thing is, is very epic in the whole history of the world. Because we have Peter realizing that he's no longer to think of the Gentiles as unclean people. Now that's massive. I mean, everything was Jews and Gentiles. Everything was separation. Everything was don't eat their food. Don't, you know, close fellowship with them. And now it seems like Something's happening here. Something's being erased. And then Peter has the opportunity to lord it over these Gentiles. He's got this big-time military leader falling at his feet. But he doesn't do that, does he? He's, he's catching on to what God is doing. He's saying, hey, we're the same. Now, Jews didn't look at Gentiles as we're the same. They looked at them as like, you know, you're the dogs. And Gentiles looked at Jews. They just could barely put up with them. And then Cornelius is so humble and so submissive to God. He prays regularly. He gives gifts to the poor. 
He gives of himself to help people. He does it to honor God. He falls at the feet of Peter because of his, you know, honor of God. And he says, I sent for you immediately as soon as God told me. And he invites all these people to listen because he wants everybody to hear this message. And he says, and we're here now to listen to everything that God has commanded you to tell us. And we're ready for it. This is a good example of good reverence for God, isn't it? From this high-ranking soldier, this powerful man, and this God, this foreign God. And yet, he has such deep reverence for him. And you know, today, <clears throat> that probably is our main problem in our society, is that we're losing our reverence for God as a society. And we're going off on these weird pathways that just a few years ago, nobody would have even, even considered them. And now people are defending them, but they're all against God's creation, and they're against God's word, and the things God has set out for us. But you know, this is where Peter shines. Because in verses 34, to 43, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So that's, that's big, big for the, Peter to do, to, to accept that. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, John the Baptist preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Now, I've mentioned how God has done things a certain way for certain reasons, and sometimes, many times, it wouldn't be the way that we would have planned it. But... <clears throat> You might think, well, God would show Jesus, this resurrected Jesus, to everybody. And he says, he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. And that was God's plan. It was his plan for his people, who weren't like the world full of people, it's just this, this, this tiny sect, to go out and spread the news. And to see people, if they would trust them or not, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to, to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. <clears throat> so this is really the major point, and Peter nails it. 
God does not show favoritism, but accepts from, accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And he said, God sent the message to Israel. And then Jesus was an Israelite. And he anointed Jesus. And, he gave, and Jesus had the Holy Spirit. And he went around proving himself by miracles and helping people and teaching. And people clamored to his words. And Peter said, we saw all of this because we were of him. And we saw them kill him on the cross. And we ate and drank with them after he rose from the dead. And he told us to go preach to the people that God has appointed him as a judge and of the living and the dead. And he says, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And that's so important when we talk to people. You know, I've been saying this, <clears throat> but when you talk to people about accepting Jesus, that can get kind of like, okay, accepting Jesus. Um, I guess I do. I mean, I've, I've had people say that. Have you accepted Jesus? I, I, yeah. So, it, but when you say, have you had every sin of yours forgiven? They'll probably think, well, probably not every one of them. And then you can explain to them what it means by forgiveness of sins. And I think that would help a lot of people to really understand what salvation is all about because <clears throat> it's not working our way to a certain level. It's having all of our sins forgiven. And this is the crux right here because now the gospel is moving out Salvation is moving out just from the Jews to the world. And he's using Peter and Cornelius, and he's, he's, organized, he's orchestrating this so that it will go out. And you know the people who benefit from that are the people who have hearts that are toward God. People who are resistant and think that they know it all in them of themselves. We have to be humble, don't we? And we have to know that God is so much greater than us, knows so much more than us. And that's, that's what Cornelius was. And then Peter showed that. The people who killed Stephen, they didn't show that. And they're not with God. So now, let's look at our last verses. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words... The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. He's, he's talking to the people in this, in this house, Cornelius' house. And as he was speaking, the Holy Spirit came on all of them. That means they got saved. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they, had, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said... Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This was epic because, you know, Jews hated Gentiles, Gentiles hated Jews. Now they're coming into one body. And there wasn't a greater divide. And so as this happens, and it's all in Jesus Christ, 
It's all in him and his death on the cross. And so, you know, everything that we can point to that we do good or that people, we, should, we try to prove our goodness to others, it, it has to be in Christ, doesn't it? No matter where you come from, no matter what nationality, it has to be in Jesus Christ. And that's why the message keeps getting spread. And everywhere where people accept that all across the world, they become in the family of God. So this is where it began. It began with Peter going to bed hungry, having a tummy ache, and then being talked into going to Cornelius' house. Good attitudes lead to good things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the book of Acts. We thank you for inspiring those who write the scriptures so that we can learn so much and we can learn the truth. And we don't have to, to fight through all the stuff that comes up in our societies that other people think are truth. But Lord, we just thank you that we have the pure word of God and that we can know you in a deep way through the word of God and through the fellowship and through the prayers. Pray that we would encourage one another and encourage others that we know to turn to you in this way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.